Yeah, good morning. Uh, John started with prayer, so we trust the Lord has been invited into our midst. And I want to have on my heart this week, um, it seems to me um, that some of us are tired. We're, we're, we need to be encouraged. We need to, we need to have the strength to go on, to not stop, to not give up. Not give up with our fate, with our marriages, with our families, with our brotherhood. Just to, to keep then the urgency to keep going. To uh, The enemy is trying to distract us in this time and, and always, but it seems like there's more distractions. And there's always a lot of distractions. And we only have 70-some years, and then our time is done on average. So... Um, my theme today is let us not become weary in well-doing. And that is from my text in, uh, in Galatians 6. And we will be reading that today. And we will uh, probably cover a lot of scripture today. But my, uh, my text is in Galatians 6, 1 to 10. And let's open up our Bibles to uh, Galatians 6. Like I mentioned... We want to talk about pressing ahead in earnestness, not becoming weary in well-doing, persevering to the end. Also to do that which is set, to do that which we set to do in earnestness and resolve, to finish strong. And I want to remind us, it is up to us to put on the effort. It is up to God to help us finish strong. So the effort and God gives us the strength to finish strong. Um, it's just like uh, going to somebody and asking for forgiveness. We have to put out the effort. We have to do it, and God will bless it. Uh, he will not transport us in front of that person. We have to do the work. We have to call somebody up, or we have to go to them physically. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Uh, it's a little bit of a strange verse. We'll talk about it a little bit, that verse 4. Let every man prove his own work. I think it's a great verse, and I studied into it a little bit. Uh, verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. First it says, uh, bear you one another's burden. And then in verse 6 it says, or verse, uh, verse 5, let, one, let, let, let us bear our own burden. But they speak of two uh, distinctive different things. And we'll discuss that further. Uh, verse 6, let him that is taught in, in, in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Understand we're planting corn this year. Uh, we will not be combining beans in that case, because we are obviously planting corn. Um, ABC, ABC stuff. We all know what that means. Whatever we sow now in our young lives is what we will reap when we are older, when we have children. And when we are old, 
we will read that. Um, that's an elementary principle, but one that is powerful. Whatever we shall reap, whatever we shall sow, we shall reap. Um, for a verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And verse 9, that's my key verse today. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Someday we will reap the benefits of what we are earnestly struggling for today. If we are and we should. We should be active. We should be fighting for the things that are important to us. Spiritual things, I hope, in our families, in our churches. Um, verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith, especially to one another here in this room, a household of faith, our own church. This is where we need to start. We have no testimony um, to others if we don't even get along with our church brethren. We don't. We, we, we might as well sit down. We might as well not go on mission trips. We might as well start right here in this room. Um, that is elementary principle. It's like going out and being a missionary in your own house is, is falling apart. Please don't. You have no testimony. The definition of persevering is continuing in a course of action despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Continuing in a course of action despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. That is persevering, pressing on. I want to add that not grumpy perseverance, with everything hanging down with a frown on our face. That is not perseverance, but a gentle, loving, patient cheerful not always very it's not that we're always smiling but we have a peaceful countenance about us we're, we're not grumpy we're not angry we're not lashing out that type of perseverance we're just we're calm we're decisive and we we're not looking back we're just we're pressing ahead we're growing again grumpy perseverance is not perseverance um, I'm speaking today mostly about faith, but it could be any situation about persevering. And one, if one is persevering in faith, he's also persevering in his job, for example. He's persevering with his family, with his wife, with his children. And I, I will try to keep that nucleus together. Our faith should extend to our families, to our wife, to our children, and finally to our church. That's where it starts, and it has to be together. Our whole life should be encompassing about with, with our feet, and it should extend to our, to our workplace as well. Um, Paul here was, um, let's start with in verse 4, our own fate, not someone else's in verse 4. Paul was just giving a warning to Christians, seemingly those who refuse to allow others to help carry their burdens or who refuse to help carry the burdens of others. If you think or you are something when you are nothing, you're only lying to yourself. This was actually verse 3. Now in verse 4, 
Paul instructs us to test ourselves against ourselves. Uh, a bit of a tongue twister. To test ourselves against ourselves rather than in comparison to others. In other words, we should develop the habit of looking at our own work in the power of the Holy Spirit and asking, was this effective? Am I effective? Was this meaningful? Am I living a meaningful life? Was this truly helpful, what I said? Am I, am I truly living a helpful life? Just constantly analyzing our own Christian lives. Did I reflect Christ in this situation? We should take the time to make that honest analysis instead of merely comparing ourselves to the people around us. Um, we are all different. We all have different ministries. We all have different gifts. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't give yourself liberties because somebody else does. Um, look to Christ. Let's look at the word of God. We can, we can discuss that with our brethren and ask these questions too, but we need to do self-reflection. This is what verse 4 is talking about, self-reflection. Um, then we can truly enjoy what we see God accomplishing through us in real humility. Paul's use of the word boast is not about bragging or sinful pride in ourselves. It's about honest measurement of what is true. In other words, carefully analyzing if what we see um, is actually a reality. He put it this way in Romans 12, 3. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I think that's a good explanation. To think with sober judgment, um, judging ourselves, judging our actions, to make sure that we are in the faith. We want to also think of not growing weary in these practical ways. Perseverance in our marriage relationships, perseverance with our family, our sons and our daughters, perseverance with our job or projects that we start. If we are faithful in the first, we will be faithful in all. And we all know that anybody can give in. Anybody can be a quitter. Anybody can become frustrated and walk away from God, but a man of integrity will not walk away from what is important. He will not look only on the things of himself. He will look on the things of others. How is that going to affect me if I do this or do that or walk away from that? It's been on my heart lately how much this generation is used to doing the opposite of persevering. Um, not only in, in this body here, but everywhere. To give in easily, to give up with, with little struggle and sacrifice. We are easily distracted and lacking the ability to fight through. Young people being constantly overcome with addictions that they can't seem to overcome. Instead of setting up accountability, they, they keep in their sin because they aren't willing to forsake it. They like it too much. Halfway over the fence, no resolve. This comes from an entitled age of instant results, self-time, self-pleasure, me-time, instant real-time technology, drive-throughs, instant knowledge with the internet. The, good, the godly quality of waiting in perseverance is often forsaken. Incre in increasingly, we are succumbing 
to the laziness of giving up easily and are easily discouraged and easily distracted. We think when we're uh, misunderstood that this person hates me and we become discouraged, we become depressed. We want to be understood. Every, every statement we say, uh, we say, ma. and I'm not knocking that statement. I'm just saying we want to be understood. It's okay if we're not. Just stick to the truth. Um, be your own man. Don't just think everybody has to be on your side and agree with you. It's not. It's okay if it is, and in a body we should largely be together in our fundamental beliefs. But stick. Don't don't be afraid to stick to your own, and don't be discouraged if somebody doesn't see it your way. This week I had somebody come through the shop, a contractor from Rochester, and he he told me that he's he's seen God in visions various times. He's seen God, and he's God speaks to him, and he continues to speak to him in person. I said, oh, okay, well, great, great, yeah. I also receive testimonies from God. I also have experiences from God. I told him that, and but it's in the spirit. I didn't disagree with him. We had a lovely time, and when he came to say, he continued to say that he also had revelations that all the world will be saved in the end. My eyebrows were lifted. Really, where is that in Scripture? And uh, he, he brought up some Habakkuk statements and verses and uh, Old Testament scriptures, and I said, okay. All right, I uh, I disagree with that. I strongly disagree with that statement, but uh, yeah, we can be friends, and I'm glad you're having these experiences. He even wrote a book. Anyway, I disagreed. We we walked away, and I hope to run into him again to, to uh, carry on our conversation. Um, Ever-changing human laziness and culture does not mean that God will change as well. Just because we're lazy and our culture propagates laziness does not mean that God is lazy and that God will change with us. We can press through in prayer and circumstances. This does not mean that God isn't willing and able to help us to give us our answer to our prayers. Again, just because we don't persevere in prayer doesn't automatically mean that God will come through in a shorter time as well. Just because we've become spiritually lazy, God remains the same. God is unchanging and his standards change not in the midst of our ever-changing tendencies. Remember that. I brought up Daniel chapter 10 in the past in my messages. Let's look at it again. It's, it's It's an awesome verse. It gives us a glimpse into the spiritual world. Daniel chapter 10. We'll read the first 15 verses in in Daniel chapter 10. It's good for us to look at these verses. And I know it's a little bit heavy to read all these scriptures, but that's why we're here. It's scripture. A person can make a lot of statements and say, the Lord showed me this, the Lord showed me that. And that's fine, but it has to agree with Scripture. Whatever Jacob says here across the pulpit has to be Scripture. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. 
In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. That's 21 days. He was mourning for three full weeks. I do not have that. I have never done that. Um, prayed. I, I've prayed off and on for something that might have lasted for a year or more, but I have not lasted full or, or fasted or mourned for three full weeks. But this was a human being. This was a man that lived not too long ago, a couple thousand years ago. He was a man made with flesh and blood. Verse 3, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is called Hedekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Aphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color of polished brass and his voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turning to me unto corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard a voice of his words, and when I heard a voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep in my face, and my face towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you, and stand upright, for unto you am I now sent. And when he had spoken those words unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, the first day you, you had a resolve to understand, to pray through, to not give up, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. This is awesome. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, the first time that you had to resolve to follow through, I heard your words, and I am come to answer you for these words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, the enemy, the devil withstood me, the prince of Persia withstood me and twenty for twenty days. But little Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words, I set my face towards the ground, and I became dumb. Wow. I just pray that we have the resolve, even half ways, to pray through for what is important. And what is more important than our families, our churches, the gospel. How often have we prayed in that way for any three of these or any four of these? 
That's a challenge for myself. These scriptures give us a powerful glimpse into the spiritual world. It shows us that even through, even though God heard our prayers, it can take weeks for the answers to come through in the spirit world to us, especially if there is lots of, at stake for the enemy. He will fight against it. In the midst of some great outcome or breakthrough, it might take the most perseverance. And uh, brothers, I want to also encourage you, and I've said this before here, that we are under the most type of temptation if the Lord wants to use us the most. I've seen it. Temptations on my life, on some of my old besetting sins. He tempts us the most if, we wants, if he wants to do the most with us. Something is, something is coming. Something is coming great. The enemy knows it. He wants to use us, but he wants us on the ground during that time. Instead of being risen up and helping someone or making a situation different, he wants to use us. The Lord wants to, but the enemy is there also. <clears throat> it's kind of like Hosea was telling me about the, uh, the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, how the, these enemies were scheming to, uh, to, uh, for that, to make that young man fall. And one, they, they tried to think of so many ways to make that young man fall, and they're constantly scheming. And this is, this is how it works in the, in the spiritual world. The enemy is looking throughout, to and fro throughout the old world to see who he might uh, succumb through the powers that be. But we are stronger through, through Christ, praise God. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. The scripture gives us strong evidence that God hears earnest prayers, prayers that are resolved to carry through no matter how long it takes. God looked at Daniel's urgency and seriousness in his prayers from day one. God saw how resolved Daniel was. He knew he would continue to pray for as long as it took to get an answer. <clears throat> Again, let's look at ourselves. Let's question ourselves. When is the last time we did that? When is the last time we pray with resolve like that? It's no wonder that the Lord often appears quiet to us. It's no wonder that we have young people and old people with no resolve to go on with their lives because they aren't willing to wait in prayer before God. We say we don't have certain direction, but are you willing to set our heart to understand God? Are we, we are lacking perseverance. Spiritual laziness will force us to backslide and cripple our resolve to go forward. From experience, I've learned that if we don't have a resolve to go forward, we are in a neutral state. We all know if we leave a car in neutral, it will free float in any direction that is easiest to go. That certainly isn't in the direction that pertains to more godliness. 21 days is relatively short to wait on God. Comparing to walking aimlessly for years with no direction. 21 days was not a time that Daniel was planning to cease from prayer. 
He was committed to go for as long as it took, as long as he had the bodily energy and the grace and the strength to do it. He will not allow us to suffer longer than it is necessary to show us his will. Um, I'm going to read a few uh, epistles in Timothy, and I'll, I'll, I'm be, uh, you don't have to go there. I'm going to start in 1 Timothy 6.11, just supporting verses about perseverance. First uh, Timothy six eleven to twelve. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou wast also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And uh, verse twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. It's speaking about fighting. It will not come easy. In Second Timothy four seven. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the feet. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. This is from Paul, who was imprisoned repeatedly, who was flogged, who was exposed to death again and again. Um, from Paul that received 39 lashes five times. He was beaten with rods three times. He was pelted with stones. He was shipwrecked three times. He had to patiently wait for 14 years to start his ministry. This is all Paul. This was a, I would call that a fight, but God was with him. He actually would be one to say his yoke was easy. But it's nonetheless a yoke, it's a fight. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, twice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in, in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching, watchings often, hunger and thirst, in fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He wasn't bragging. He wasn't complaining. He was just merely bringing about a point in these scripture. But it gives us, shows us that his life was not easy. He had reasons to boast, but he didn't. Um, Luke chapter 18. And I speak a parable unto them by this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying there, is, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because of this widow, because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Lest by her continual coming she shall weary me. That was perseverance. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. Uh, again in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. 
Those by the wayside are they that hear, then come at the devil and take it away the, the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and those have no root which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. And those which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. And that, but that on the good ground, verse 15, are they which in an honest and good heart, having the, having the word, and here's the verse, they keep the word and bring forth fruit with patience. And you could also say with perseverance. They keep the word and bring forth fruit with patience. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, 1 to 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation work at patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope, make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Amen. These are very encouraging words. Um, in closing, I want to encourage you, brethren, to persist in prayer. And it is a da statement, of course. Everybody says that. Persist in prayer. We will pray for you. Let's pray about it. Pray, pray, pray. We all say it all the time. But do we really pray? Um, many, many of you do, and you recognize the power in it. But it's so easy. It's, a, it's kind of like a da statement already. Um, but nevertheless, if it is or not, we still we need to persist in prayer. It's like going on an African safari and your, your mom asks you, don't forget your rifle. Don't forget your rifle. Of course, mom, I'll bring my rifle along. We see that we'll pray about it in such the same way, but it is very, very, very true. We need to. How many times are we setting out in our daily situations endeavoring to kill the lions without a gun? And that gun is prayer. We talk to people about strong situations without praying first. And, and I'm the same way. I, I forget to do the most important things, and that is prayer. We need to pray first. Do we really believe in prayer? Do we really believe in killing a lion without a gun? We want to trap it. We want to catch it. We want to run after it. Well, we simply need a gun if we're going to go out and shoot a lion. Um, another thing we need to do is rejoice in the Lord. A spirit of fear turmoil runs from the saint that has learned to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoicing is the acknowledgement of our Heavenly Father, having everything under his hand in trust and in thanksgiving. Next is pray for those who you, you don't agree with. It is not in order that they may change their minds. 
but so that they might that you might not get an attitude against them and more likely you may be right or wrong it's probably more likely that you might be wrong if we're starting to have feeling against someone we can be 100% right and be 200% wrong if our attitude is wrong love the brethren that's also one that we constantly hear if we don't love our fellow brother sister here this is a sign that we are disconnected from god and we will not get to first base in reality with god a lot of christians don't realize this truth it's not just you and jesus it's in loving your fellow brother and sister this is this is the sign that you love god that you love the brethren we hear that a lot but it's it's so true don't resist God's commandments. Give in. Follow him. Keep yourself from idols. It takes great discipline to have one heart for God. Let nothing distract you from your devotions to God. Guard your heart from idols. Endure to the end. Endure to the end. You do not get a reward if you only run halfway on a race, endure to the end. And I think one of the one of the biggest ones that affects us is self-pity. To avoid self-pity at all costs. This is perhaps one of the greatest things in this entitled generation. Don't pity yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Self-pity is an obnoxious weed that will block us from not only spiritual growth, but inhibit, inhibit us from well-doing. It gives us tunnel vision into our own miserable hearts and, and a contentment to loathe in it for a whole month or even a year or years, plural. It gives us a tunnel vision into our own miserable heart and just what affects our heart. Oh, you hurt me. Boo-hoo-hoo. And we just loathe in it. And loathe and loathe. You hurt me. And a contentment to loathe. It's not only. It's being happy in that misery. In that bath of misery. And just loathing in it. For months and years. I was rejected. Well, so was Christ. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and see what they said was right. Look at what somebody said. Look at why they might have said it in the wrong spirit. They might have said they were probably wrong in how they said it. But look in the mirror anyway. Don't look at self-pity. They haven't apologized. In fact, they haven't apologized for years. Then you go apologize. You go apologize. Go ask. 90% of the time we perceive other people meant something which we were wrong about. Even if we were right, the right thing to do is you go make it right. If it's bothering you so much. Nobody ever listens to me. Nobody ever listens to me. Maybe you say too much. Start genuinely listening to others.
Nobody wants to be around me. Nobody wants to be around me. Nobody wants to be my friend. That's all self-pity. Be a friend. Be around other people. Have a genuine interest in other people. Smile at people. You will soon have many friends. Nobody can resist that. You cannot control other people's bad attitudes. You can only control your own. Be the change you want other people to be. Persevere in that and you will soon see a difference. And I already mentioned this, endure to the end. You do not get a reward if you only run halfway. Um, I want to tell you a small story. It's a political story, but I think it's a, it's a great story nonetheless. Years ago in Illinois, a young man with six months schooling to his credit, he ran for office in the legislature. As might have been expected, he was beaten. Next, he entered a business but failed in that too. He spent the next 17 years paying the debts of his worthless partner in that business endeavor. He fell in love with a charming lady and became engaged, and she died. He had a nervous breakdown. Next, he ran for Congress and was defeated. He then tried to obtain an appointment to the U.S. Land Office, but he didn't succeed. He became a candidate for the vice presidency, and he lost. Two years later, he was, a def he was defeated for senator. What a loser, huh? He didn't give up. He ran for office once more, and he was elected. He became the president of the United States. His, man, his name was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, one more thing here. I want to read a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's in the book, The Cost of Discipleship. Only the man who follows the commands of Jesus, only the man who follows the commands of Jesus single-mindedly and unresistingly lets his yoke rest upon him, finds his burden easy, and under its gentle pressure receives the power to persevere in the right way. The commandments of Jesus is never hard. No, sorry. The command of Jesus is hard. Sorry. The command of Jesus is hard, utterly, unutterly hard for those who try to resist it. For those who try to resist it. But for those who willingly submit, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And he was not the first one to quote that. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. For those that do not try to resist it, who unresistingly let his yoke rest upon him. Amen. May we be of that number today.